Welcome to the Digital Week. Today we explore Digital Identity 3.0. In the move from corporations to the internet and economy of people, the me economy essentially, what is digital identity? How might my physical identity be different to my digital identity? What does that mean for me as a consumer? Would it make dealing with organisations easier? What better value can be created if I adopt a digital identity? And from a corporation's perspective, how do I build that uh, the element of trust, which is going to be essential in how we navigate the digital identity space with privacy? And what sort of new value could we create for our consumers in order to compete for their value, time and screen? Digital Identity 3.0, let's explore. Michael, great to see you today in your full identity. I <laughs> love it to see you physically uh, here as well. But in the digital economy, it's not just about the physical identity. It's about what people increasingly call the digital identity. Well, it's been very topical, hasn't it? You know, we're hearing everything from, you know, people being Googled and finding out who's on dating sites that possibly shouldn't be on them, um, you know, who's breaking into records and releasing uh, private company data or government data to the world. You know, we hear these things every day. You know, let's explore today digital identity 3.0. What does it mean to you, Michael? Fascinating topic. So you're right, Monica. What we see is a lot of trial and error. So people create all kinds of identities. They have a Google login, they have an Apple ID, they have a Facebook account. Um, But Digital Identity 3.0 really means a a very purposeful designed digital record of yourself. And in particular, a record that is totally independent of any corporate context. Mm. So at the moment, I have an identity, I guess, with the tax office. I have an identity, obviously, with the people like Google and uh, and LinkedIn. But I also have an identity, I guess, with my local online grocery provider. Uh, so tell me how that how it moves from me having that identity with multiple companies to a digital identity. Correct. So in the economy of corporations, we always looked at a person as a certain persona, as a certain stakeholder. You're a patient, a student, a passenger a retail banking or insurance customer. And organizations captured you in that role, in their corporate context. And probably you exist dozens or hundreds of times even as a digital record. Now in the move from the economy of corporations to the economy of people, it is not you as a stakeholder of interest to a corporation, it is actually about you. You as an independent individual far before we interact with anyone. And this is the big fundamental shift between a customer record and a record for a person, a digital identity. So now what I'm hearing from you is that the identity is owned by me. I'm in control. I'm back in the driver's seat. It's not, you know, I'm not at the whim of the record that the bank holds of me or someone else. So then if I look at some of the attributes I hear, um, we've, we've studied and researched here at the PwC Chair in the Digital Economy, what, I, the, what I'm hearing is that the attributes of the new digital identity space is around having openness. You know, so how do I connect things together? It's that every new piece of data I provide, the system learns and gets better in terms of the value it provides to me. It's proactive. So no longer do I have to remember that every six months I need my teeth cleaned, my dentist is dropping me something through my identity and my approved channel to tell me it's time to come in with my preferred appointment time based on what I've told them. And then there's this connectiveness. So, you know, 
different vendor providers that I can choose to connect together can create a whole new stream of value for me. So maybe my beautician and my doctor are actually going to get together and create a new value proposition for me that allows, I don't know, me to look healthy and attractive in my digital identity. Not that you need that. <laughs> um, but, but Monica, connectedness also means connecting two digital identities. So you, for example, could endorse another identity to pick up your passport. Your kids from school. Mm. So in the future, um, you could say I possibly don't allow digital identity to use my car. Wow. Um, so you could imagine in, in all kinds of scenarios between you and partners, you and kids, you and business partners, where endorsing for receiving a document or a product or, or, or not endorsing, really saying you're not allowed to use my car and your car will know that you don't have access rights to the car and the car might not start. So there's a connectedness wow. between digital identities and not just between corporations using your identity. But, but you're right with the notion of proactivity uh, that in the context of, let's say, banks, insurance companies, even higher education, that is fundamental. So the customer no longer searches corporate services and products. The corporation will have to be proactive and try to spot new attributes, changing attributes, And the notion of a proactive government, for example, will mean that the government, based on changes in your circumstances, in your life events, in your attributes, provides a service. Mm. Example being, um, you might turn 22 and you're eligible or not eligible anymore for certain student welfare payment system, for, uh, welfare solution. So in the old days, you would have to go to the web page and find out what happens when I'm 22. Uh, but you're busy being busy. Uh, a proactive government based on a digital identity will spot proactively that you're about to turn 22 and provide relevant services. So we've seen little bits of this, I guess, with data analytics and marketing programs before, but very based on an organisation trying to make a sale. You know, you, you, we, we've seen the very early stages of if I cruise on realestate.com a number of times, then, you know, all of a sudden the ads on the side of that page start to become Westpac offering me a loan. Now, a step, we can see that if I'm a Westpac customer, they may be able to link that data in the background and come back to me with some sort of an offer or at least send a message to my relationship banker to call me that looks totally impromptu, but you know is clearly because they've read what's going on online. Tell me about, you know, maybe uh, how digital, that online reputation management and the time we spend online, that's a constant footprint of data and identity that I'm slowly revealing. Not so much my identity as in my name and, and phone number, but my identity as what am I interested in? What am I clicking on? What am I using? Yeah. So you're right, but, but we see two fundamental changes. So what you describe is the world where I still go to the corporate provider. I go to one real estate company, I give them part of my, my share of digital attention and they react. Uh, in the future, I don't want to do this. In the future, I might just express an interest to renovate my home. I don't want to pre-select a vendor. Um, I probably don't even know what I'm looking for. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what sort of knowledge exists, what sort of service do exist, what sort of tax incentives do exist. So the world of proactive service consumption means uh, it's not the customer that is proactive, is the corporation that is proactive. Uh, and the second item, of course, is these are my data. So you as a corporation can be lucky if I give you access to these data. Uh, so, so in the future, we won't have that same trade-off. At the moment, it's a much more command and control, and the corporation has control. If you want to do this, I, if you want a bank loan with me, you must fill out my 42-page PDF form. Correct, mm. correct. In the future, these are your terms and conditions. This is your personal record. And this is the record that I give you access to. Um, I might maintain some attributes. I might tell you that I'm married. 
um, or I've got certain devices like my car, my Fitbit, my Nike shoe uh, that semi-automatically populate some of the data. And I might say to my personal coach, have a look at my, my running behavior and let me know when I should change this. Um, or as I said, connectedness, I might say, um, I want to read the books that Monica reads. Mm. So again, digital identities might be connected and you might open up parts of your digital identity, the books you're reading, the music that you're listening to, um, that, that others can follow. Mm. So there will be digital identities to become a benchmark, a role model. I and mean, that increases value for me because I have then influence and eyeballs. And so that gets back to things like the online reputation management. So all my digital reputation management, I should say. You know, we're living and dying now by the Google search. You know, Correct. And where do you find me? And how... Uh, so do we think in the future there will be whole jobs around that? You know, for instance, you know, can I hire a digital reputation brand manager for me? I, I guess there's a whole uh, lot of jobs coming up. So first of all, we have a lot of jobs that just create a platform to manage personal digital identities. So it will be massive platform providers... Uh, that maintain uh, the, the master records, that maintain access management. There will be a lot of massive data storage solutions around big private data. But tell us, the, the key to those, as I see it, comes back to trust. You know, that platform player, we have to have this trusted relationship because that's going to be quite pivotal in going forward how our data and privacy might be managed. Correct. And the multi-million dollar question is, who will become the ultimate digital identity provider? And will it be a bit like the, the Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn? Do what it takes at all? Will there be in five or ten years? One big, exponentially growing one, and there ultimately will, will be the holy grail of the digital economy? Or do we have massive amount of, of various players? Will citizens look for the government because they trust them? Will they look at other probably trusted brands like a bank? Or will we have someone that we don't even know who comes out of the blue and gives the world a digital identity. Um, so these are um, unknown questions, but the more we create network effects between digital identities, meaning my digital identity management gets better with every new identity, the more we probably only have one big provider. Mm. And it's uh, I'm seeing the early adoption of that, I guess, with things like MyWave, Miko, the eAstonia, the eGov in Australia at a very, very rudimentary level. Uh, so if we're looking at how some of those we're seeing that there might be a digital aspect and then we're looking at a whole bunch of other digitizing like voice, breath, irises that might add, which is, I guess, more where we're going into, you know, how we're going to allow access to certain areas. Correct, correct. So at the moment we see two, two brands. One is the provider of a global digital identity, so your Apple, Google or Facebook, LinkedIn ID, uh, or you have regional players like Estonia, the Australian ID, um, and the question is, do we have one global and comprehensive digital identity uh, is open? And, and what you just mentioned is important too, that we have additional attributes emerging um, that we want to maintain for different contexts. Um, so I might at one point share, I think there's an app where you can cough into your iPhone and the doctor will tell you if you're sick. <laughs> so a digital identity might include multimedia data. Um, that, that you upload. But what we see here is it depends a lot what I want to do with the data. Uh, am I using this in a professional or in a private context? So if I look at, at someone like you, Monica, um, the CEO of yourself, um, a digital identity is, is crucial for you. Um, and I would be interested in, in how do you see the digital identity 3.0 for Monica Bradley emerging? And, and what role do you think it will play for you to, to attract new or to, to interact with existing clients? 
Well, it's again, it gets back to some very offline things like what is your purpose? Who do you want to? Mm. What is the role you're playing in life? What are you trying to uh, achieve with your reputation? I mean, a reputation is really only a forward facing element of what you stand for. So, again, a little bit like the Senec, you know, what's the why? Why does Monica Bradley as an entity exist? I exist to help people transit to the new economy and create prosperity, whether that's, you know, in a social space, in an economic space with my clients, or helping the next generation of students find their way in this new crazy world. So for me, it's very important from a reputational aspect that, you know, I'm really looking and curating for people that follow me very useful information that adds that value. So they can straight away say, wow, following Monica, using Monica, working with Monica adds value to my proposition. And you talked earlier about reputation management. So it's not just a, a, a list of attributes. It's also about the, the very attractive uh, uh, positioning of these attributes, making sure that people are aware of your digital identity. Correct. So the worst that could happen is you have a digital identity, but nobody knows about it. Or someone fakes me. You know, there is a Monica Bradley out there that's not Monica Bradley. So, you know, how do you, again, make sure that you're managing your identity and it is you? So, again, I'm finding I'm doing much more work now with actually having visual images of me because people very quickly then are visualising, oh, that's not the Monica Bradley. <laughs> that sounds a bit conceited, Michael, doesn't it? <laughs> I can see a lot of Monica Bradley wannabes. Um, but, but you're right. There will be a whole ecosystem of, of jobs and corporations emerging. So we talked about those who want to provide the more technical platform. Um, There will be a, a huge market around uh, ensuring uh, that privacy uh, and security are, are, are never compromised. So at the moment, there's a lot of doubt and, and people haven't bought into, let's say, the, the, the patient master record because of, of security concerns. Um, we think about this in a positive way and believe this is a massive job opportunity for a lot of individuals to create those solutions. Um, there will be uh, reputation managers who say, now that I've got your ID, How do I maybe modify attributes, make sure there's a huge network, there's a huge awareness of your identity? Um, and of course, there's a whole lot of uh, recommender services popping up. So once I know what job you have, what your interests are, where you are, um, there will be a huge market for personalized recommender services. Um, and this will create a, a tremendous amount of jobs and, and opportunities. Mm. So what I'm interested in is then what does that mean as I sit here as a CEO, as a director of a board? Um, what I'm hearing is kind of um, there's a lot of issues that are going to come up in all corporations. I'm losing control. You know, in the old days, in the industrial age, CEOs and companies had control over data and what you must give us. We had these rules. And what I'm hearing now is a very flexible, connected, almost that the that control is really shifting to our individuals in society. Absolutely. And uh, here at the PwC Chair in Digital Economy, we talk a lot about these mega trends from the industrial to the information age, from, from automation and corporate systems to digitized, individualized systems. And the digital identity clearly expresses what happens to IT departments of the future, they have to understand they will lose control. Um, they, they, I think, reluctantly got used to bring your own device. Now we face the world where, where we bring your own data. Uh, I can't control the data. I don't know the quality of the data. If I give you my own data, is this true? Are you married? Are you 22? Uh, do you have a job? Uh, so do I give you a mortgage based on your digital identity and do I use my terms and conditions or yours? So, so the mega trend is really here that, that control, as you highlighted, uh, is, is slipping through my fingers 
and the economy of people will empower people and, and will be a, a massive reduction of power and control and, and compliance opportunities for IT departments. And, and I think what we see as the ultimate uh, system change here, in, and my wave.me is, is maybe uh, one good example here, is that the classical thinking, companies manage customer data in what they call customer relationship CRM solutions, is flipped around and so-called vendor relationship management solutions emerge, where you really manage relationships with corporations, and they can be grateful um, to get parts of your attention. Uh, we might be a few years away from here, but for the first time, I believe, we see a world where organizations and system providers do not just create solutions for companies, but ultimately for people. And it's a complete new mindset to create software and solutions for people as opposed to corporations. And this makes the, the whole idea of digital identity 3.0 so fascinating. And so what we're hearing then is it's really the basis of trust. So building trust becomes a critical component in that intimate relationship between organisations and their customers and their or their interactive partners. That that trust then must be curated very carefully in order to create new value. So I will reveal more if I can see the demonstrated value for that or that you can handle, you've proactively delivered more value to me. I'm surprised and delighted. I will then share more. And that then leads, I guess, back to this digital identity themes of the systems look like they're going to be open. They need to get better with every interaction I do. They will be definitely proactive and they're definitely in a connected world. Absolutely. And if companies can unlock this and companies can not just analyze but design enter new value propositions. If I as a retailer prevent you from shopping an item um, that, that you might be allergic to, at the checkout I literally do not let you consume this item and I rescue you uh, or protect your well-being. If, if my car knows where I'm going because I share my calendar with my car, um, if I can endorse someone else to pick up my child uh, and I don't have to contact anyone else by endorsing another digital identity, um, if, if my educational provider uh, updates me based on what I know or need to know before I even start searching, uh, I create, hopefully, uh, what we call a reduced service latency. That means the time it takes from the life event to the service being consumed is reduced. And we believe that service latency is one of those key metrics that, that massively will be improved based on the digital identity 3.0. Michael, it's fascinating. As always, I trust, and we do trust, that uh, Digital Identity 3.0 has been, it's been a fascinating discussion, and I can only see we're going to need to delve deeper and deeper. It's an evolving topic, but one of great interest. Fantastic talking to you again, Monica. See you next week. Mm -hmm.